0: Let me put you on game, don't listen to people who lose or you'll do the same, stop talking to people who don't give a f- what you say. stop spending your money on weed, go hop on a plane, stop pointing the finger and start What's going on guys, welcome on to another episode of the Pursuit of Wealth Podcast. Today we have moved the studio, we're down in Salt Lake City with the one and only, the goat Michael Perry. Michael is running the largest real estate team here in Salt Lake City. He's only been licensed for four to five years, Um, and so we're coming down. We want to get his story. He's not only doing real estate. He's flipping houses. He's doing a lot of other things, so I'm super excited for you guys to find out a little bit more about Michael, and hopefully you guys can take away a few golden nuggets from this interview, so Michael, let's break into it. Where Did you grow up here in Salt Lake, or where did things start for you?
1: I guess you can't see it here, but blocks from here, so Sugar House, Utah, right, right outside of Salt Lake City.
0: Okay, so literally right here down the road.
1: I could walk to my house. Okay. Kind of thing. Yep. That's
0: awesome. Okay. So you grew up here. Uh, how was it growing up in Salt Lake City?
1: Salt Lake City's cool. I think it's a, I think we all experience, especially if you're, and in the grand scheme, Salt Lake City is still kind of a small city. So it's like, hey, I want to get out. I was one of those people who didn't like Salt Lake City. Yeah. I went. I left, I went to LA and then I'm like, man, Salt Lake city is actually pretty cool. Yeah. So it's it, funny, I love it.
0: It's funny that you say Salt Lake city is a little, I mean, we get that in Idaho falls, Idaho falls, is like a hundred thousand people. So we get that a lot. It's like, uh, everybody wants to come to Salt Lake city or somewhere bigger, but you guys still get that here where they're like, yeah, it's a small area. We want to get out and go to like LA or.
1: Yeah. And it's funny. And I, I think it's probably you deal with it all the time too, especially being having the online lead business. It's like you, yeah. you have people coming from New York. Florida, California. It's like, oh, I'm relocating to something smaller. Yeah, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I guess A smaller area. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: That's cool. So, what took you to LA? Where were you there?
1: Football. Yeah. So, right out of high school, I I went to play football at a junior college in in LA, and then my, I I had family in LA. My mom's from Pasadena, so okay. I I loved LA. I still do. But yeah, that's what took me there.
0: Okay. So you so you played played football in high school. Went to a junior college. How long were you there for?
1: I was there for a year and a half in LA okay. before coming back to Utah.
0: Okay. Did you get hurt or how was your journey through, through JUCO football?
1: Yeah. So I went, I was at a JUCO in California, then came back to Utah and at snow, I ended up tearing my patellar tendon twice. And I think, I mean, probably a lot of people have heard story by now, but it's like, it's a failure in my mind. But I think looking back, I'm the reason I am because of the lessons yep. in that life.
0: Yeah. Similar to you. I went, uh, left to a bigger area. I uh, went to Phoenix, played at a Juco for soccer. Um, first year, first game in, tore my ACL. Oh uh, yeah. Recovered. It played the second year there. Um, but eventually left. And, and to me, I look back on it. I've, I've said this before and it like, it was a failure. Cause that's what I wanted to do.
1: Yeah. I wanted yeah. to play
0: soccer. Like yeah. I, I, I would go to the, you know, LA training camps and all these things. and, and I'd finish in the top eleven team, and so I thought that's what I was gonna do. But then I realized like it was hard. And I look back and I'm like, maybe I gave up too soon, you know. But I do think you think it, you did? No, I don't know. Yeah. I, I still, do, I still, I still think about it. Like maybe if I'd tried for a few more years. But then I go down that rabbit hole, and I'm like, well, what would my life look like now? Totally. You know, because maybe maybe I did continue to do it, and maybe I got a little taste of, you know, you know, semi pros or pros, but at the bottom of the totem pole. You yeah. What, for are they, sure. what is their starting salary? 30, 40,000.
1: Yeah. 40, <laughs> yeah I, I think it's hard. It's like, I always give my parents, I'm, I was super young for my grade, so I always give my parents crap for not holding me back. And it's like, I might've been really good at sports if I was held back. Cause I didn't, I was super short till basically freshman in college, but it's like, it's all learning lessons. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I would have gone through a lot less pain, yeah. but it's like today we wouldn't be here. Oh. I don't know what I'd be doing.
0: Yeah you can only connect the dots looking back totally. So it's now you can see like, Oh, this led to this, this led to this. And now I'm here. And it's like, what if I chose a different route? Like what would the life look? And I, I play around with that at the end of the day. I'm not, I don't regret any of the decisions I made. I'm excited and happy with where I'm at. And now in real estate, I'm sure you're very similar. It's like, I don't know what else I'd
1: rather be doing. Totally. Like, yeah, yeah I think even if, even
0: if I did soccer and I saw this, I'd probably at some point get into real estate. And, and that would be my thing that I'd want to do. Um, so after, after going to college, coming back to Utah, um, playing and then tearing your PC, what patellar, patellar patellar tendon, tendon. um, where, where did things go from there?
1: So I tore my patellar tendon once and then kind of same thing. Rehabbed it, went through spring practice and then, uh, last day of spring toured again. Oh, so sure. I got my real estate license 18 days or 31 days later. I think I signed up 18 days after, and it was that's kind of a crazy story because there was no, I mean, I was coming back to school in August to play football, I had the summer off, but it was like, talk about life change 180. Yeah. That's, that's one of those like fork in the road moments. <laughs> yeah. Why, why, why did you get
0: your real estate license? Like.
1: I, I think I was lost. It's like, I had, I had friends, one was playing soccer at a super high level and then I had friends playing football at a super high level and I'm like. That obviously isn't going to be me. It's like, I'm at a junior college year three, my knees torn twice. I got to do something. Yeah. And I, I was a terrible student. I had no desire to go back to school. So my dad was in real estate. I was like, Hey, I'm going to give this a try.
0: Yeah. How was your dad so far in his career in real estate? Was he just an individual agent at the time?
1: He was, yeah. Individual agent, I think eight or nine years. Okay, cool. Pretty successful. Far. yeah yeah he uh it's really cool because i i think he he probably transacted 20 to 25 deals i think there was no vision for a team it was yeah. just a solo agent and then i basically got my real estate license i was with my friend i was a solo agent in a sense or i i absolutely was a solo agent it was a partnership with my friend but there was no vision yeah. for what we have here today
0: so so how did this how did the Perry group come about? What was that journey like?
1: I think it's one of the coolest things is whether you're a real estate agent or you're investing in real estate, I think it just brings opportunity. Yeah. And so for us, it was, okay, let's buy a Zillow lead. We spent $750 or 1500. I get that number mixed up and we split it three of us. It was like, I had $23 in my bank account and had to come up with five hundred to put in my chip
0: every every month.
1: Yeah, like, and it was this is a terrible, horrible, stressful life. But it was like we got that Zillow lead. Yeah, and I thought I was Bill Gates for a second. Like I I thought I figured out the real estate world. So it was just let's add another agent because I think this model works. And then it was like, hey, we have five agents and this works incredibly. How many people can we help?
0: Can we scale it?
1: So eighty. 81 of us right today. now wow. year one,
0: year one with the Perry group. How was that? Where'd you guys, if you can think back, um, how many agents did you have? What was production like year one?
1: I don't know production year one, but I think the story I can give, we had, I think probably seven agents total. Okay. And what's really interesting, the seven of us who were there today, were all doing really big things. Uh, there's nobody left on the Perry group besides me and my dad. Of that original seven? Yes. Wow. But that seven is doing big things in the real estate world. So that's really cool to look back and watch. But I, I think the coolest story, I don't know, we probably have 50, 60, 70 million under contract right now. Wow. But the coolest moment and like the moment that like gets me going still like – not emotional, but it's like the heebie jeebies is we had a whiteboard with like eight or nine transactions. It was like, we live to put it another deal on that whiteboard. Kind yeah. Of thing.
0: That's crazy. And so last year, I mean, well, let's go to year two, year two. Where'd you guys go from seven agents? Uh, where'd you guys go to year two? Like, how'd you guys scale?
1: We, we, I think year two, uh, was seven to about 15 agents. Okay, So it was definitely doubling it. Yeah, it was it was doubling, but it felt slower. And then I think year three, year two is, I think, where I got my feet production-wise. Where so I was like, yeah. oh, I'm actually really good at real estate. Year three was, hey, I'm good at real estate. I think we can figure this team thing out. Yeah. Let's go do it at a higher level.
0: Okay. So year three, what did year three look like agent count-wise?
1: 30. 30. Yep. Okay. Year four was... Sorry, I'm skipping. You keep asking me questions. I'm skipping it. So year three, 30 agents, most brutal year. Okay. I mean, that Why? that year was terrible as far as trying to figure things out. Because we, 30 agents, I look back, it's it's not that big. It's not that many agents. But we, when you have 10, 15 agents, you can get away with not a ton of systems. Yeah. When you have 30, it's like, I have 30 people in this office. And I have no direction <laughs> yeah. or like literally no direction. I don't have director of operations. The direction we had was if your phone rings, you better answer it. Take the lead. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's like me and you were talking right before this. It's without direction, your personal life just becomes a disaster because oh, yeah. people rely on you.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, I can, I'm, I'm at a team of 12 and I can imagine you 30 is not a big number, but me looking at 30 is daunting. Yeah. It's like, that's, that feels like a lot of people. Um, and, in the way you guys were like wild west with it, you know, it's it's inspiring and it's nerve wracking at the same time. Like, um, you know, I, I think you guys, it's inspiring because you guys just, you just did it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people overanalyze it and like, how, how do I get to 30? And I think sometimes I do struggle with that where you guys are like, let's just bring people on and answer the phone and figure this thing out.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's fun because, Now I would say I really understand business. I understand how to operate business and in any business venture I go into now that's new. I analyze and I'm running analytics. I'm having a team do X, Y, and Z. But sometimes like I have to look back, especially with like flips. Yeah. It's like, we're going to figure it out. And I think we just have to throw ourselves into the fire. But to mold, to mold
0: yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's like a lot of the lessons you probably learned at the 30s or at the 30 agent count, you know, Wild West style, you probably, a lot of fires came at you that you had to put out and you're like, okay, we need something for this. Yes. That you wouldn't have known you needed unless that had come at you. So I use a lot of lessons in just going after it and then figuring it out. It's like, you know, some people say jump and then build your parachute on the way down yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of your guys' story. Um, so year four, how did year four look for you?
1: Year four was 2020, I think. Yeah. Year four is the beginning of the pandemic. So for us, it was really scary. It was the first time we felt we had things figured out from a brokerage standpoint, from a team standpoint, from staff. Uh, Zillow leads everything. And then the pandemic happened. And so for us, it turned out amazing. But that was a year of, I mean, we were weeks away of saying like, we spent four years for it to burn in ashes kind of thing. Cause like we thought we were all dying. Yeah. So year four turned out really good. It was probably our biggest growth year. Yeah. We went from 30 to 80. Wow. And talk about fires. I mean, that was a, we still talk about it all the time. It was like, we were, we felt for like a year and a half, we were a week away from, heaven or hell in like the real estate world like it was gonna go great or it was going terrible yeah yeah
0: but year four like and then year five is so you're in year six right now or yep
1: okay five and it's, a half
0: five and a half okay so you year, year five is I feel like you guys have got a lot of your stuff in place now like you're you're running at a high level you've got 81 agents um I what I've noticed after like talking to I mean I've only done say six or seven podcasts so far yeah different industries it's year four and five that everybody kind of hits that. It's like you hit the exponential growth curve right there. Totally. A lot of you know uh, what's it called? The habit book. I forgot. Atomic Habits. Yeah. Um, he talks about you know like the valley of despair or whatever. A lot of people give up in that valley because mm-hmm. it's it's hard. But once you get through that valley and you start hitting that exponential growth curve, it's like things fall into place. You had a massive year just this last year. Yeah. Um, Would you guys end up doing transaction wise? So we did,
1: I don't know, 472 million, I think, and wow. 802 deals. 802 is right. The 470 might be butchered a little bit, but okay. it's close.
0: Personal production wise, what'd
1: you hit? 38 million. It was a fun year. Wow.
0: <laughs> That's insane. And then this isn't all you're doing either right now. You also, how many homes did you flip last year?
1: Six. Six homes. Yeah, five or six. Okay. That we. Got in and out of,
0: and and I want to talk a little bit about your flipping business that you got going on, um, because he's not just flipping homes like a normal person is flipping homes. When he talked to Michael, he's like, "I bought a house for five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars, and I'm going to flip it." And I'm like, "What do you mean you're going to flip a seven hundred thousand dollars house? Or uh, you even you've even purchased a million dollar home
1: to, flip. yeah, yeah."
0: Um, so how did you get into the flipping world? Like, what what triggered that inspiration?
1: Yeah, it's weird. I I think in real estate you can, and this is going to backtrack a little bit. I think there's two types of people in real estate is one who's super passionate about people and transactions and get them into their house or it's like the numbers, the design piece. And for me, it's, I love the numbers, but for some reason I love design. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it. And so my real estate agent career has kind of been helping flippers or investors and I just got to the point where it's like, why am I not going to do this? My wife loves, she wasn't doing design at the point, but loves design. I love design. Her dad's an architect. Oh, man. Yeah. So it was, we have a team. Uh, in the beginning, we would do it with my brother. My brother knew a lot about construction. So it was like, hey, let's buy a house and see see where it goes. The first one, uh, thank goodness it was in an up market, <laughs> yeah. but it was, I thought it was going to take three months and it took us. Or actually no the first house we bought yeah. was our personal house we live in. We thought it was going to take 5 or 6 months. We had architectural plans for an addition. I was paying a monthly payment for 24 months before we moved in. Wow. So, it's not for everybody.
0: Nothing and that's right. We've only we've only done one flip thus far. Um nothing goes like you
1: plan. Nothing. No
0: no P&L or performs like you think it's going to perform. Yeah. Yeah. So so um, you got to have those rooms for, for margin, but you also just got to keep chugging along. And like those lessons you learned on that first one, obviously into your next five, you probably took a lot, a lot of things away from that, that you implemented to avoid on the next totally. few. Um, and I know you've, you've in a down market, you guys have still made your flips profitable. What sets you guys apart than other flippers?
1: I I think everything's design and everything is high end. And and how do I I hate the the mantra or the Instagram like, Oh, think like how money thinks or live with luxury kind of thing. But I do think what's really important is we were extremely realistic with what for us, we wanted to go after margins and margins is luxury in Salt Lake city. But where I think people get it wrong is everything's per square foot. It's like in my world, nothing's per square foot. It's like, this house sold for 1.5 million and it had X, Y, and Z in it. Yeah. I don't could care less about per square foot because it doesn't really matter in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Because it's such a wide variety. But I think a cool story, I think we were on flip seven or eight. It was our the $2.5 million house we flipped. It was October, which if you look back, was the worst month yeah. in real estate. And my wife and I, it's like almost teary-eyed, we're sitting on the couch. It's like, this is the first house we've listed in a down market. Yeah. We're going to figure out if we're good at this or it's like the market was good. Yeah. And we turned out we're good at this.
0: Yeah, you guys you guys sold that in what? Six days. That's insane. Yeah. In in one of the slowest times of the year. Brutal. Uh, uh, in the last, and probably one of the slowest times we've seen in the last three, four, five years, um, you, you come to market with a $2.5 million home that you flipped. I can't imagine. I remember talking to you, uh, right before you had that finish and ready, and you, mm-hmm. were, I could, I could see and feel the stress yeah. that you were under. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you posted that you had sold it, I could just, I, I couldn't imagine that feeling that you yeah. guys had. Yeah.
1: And I, I still have the feeling it was like, because you know how it is. I mean, everything, everything is pessimistic oh, until yeah. the deal's done. Yeah. Because you do enough transactions, it's like you've seen some bad things happen. But I think what was so cool. For us, it was, we, so we listed the house and obviously things happened during the contract and everything. But I, I was one of those listing agents who like showed up to the house. Cause I was like, Hey, I want to see what people's feedback is. Yeah. And within 24 hours, I showed two Utah jazz players. Wow. I'm like, we did something right. That's insane. If I've, I've showed one jazz player in my six year career and I just listed a house where two have come. Wow. We did it kind of thing. So that was That's cool.
0: That's insane. Dude. And what it, I guess funneling, just looking back, it's like, that's a great way to funnel business into your real estate team and into you build up your clientele. If you're flipping these high end homes, um, getting the listings on these, it's a great way to kind of break into that whole luxury market.
1: Yeah. And I, I I think it just builds trust and that's why, I mean, I I don't mess around in more than three or four zip codes and that's not realistic for a lot of markets, but it's, there's enough homes to be flipped in these certain zip codes to where I want people to know who Michael is. I want people to know who Dom is and everything she does. Cause it's just the next time we list a two and a half million dollar house or 3 million, it's not, Hey, it's another flip. It's Hey, Dom's done another crazy project. Let's yeah. go see it. Yeah.
0: Well, you guys inspire. I mean, I look at this stuff and I'm like, man, you know, Hey, Hey, uh, Michael, if I find you a house in Arizona, do you want to flip it? Like <laughs> it's like, right? it's, I mean,
1: we text about that all the yeah. time.
0: Um, you get the, the quality of work that you guys do is phenomenal. Thank um, you. and it's, it's not your typical, like, okay, you know, we flipped a house and we, we changed the paint colors and we updated things and made fixtures look nice. Um, but you guys are like, we're moving the kitchen and we're going to put a bathroom in here. And I'm like, the, the actual design work and thought that goes into your guys' flips is next level. Thank it's you. not like a, your standard flip, which I think is going to help you guys really differentiate yourself and, and create a name. I would like to see you guys build a house from the ground up. I think that would be incredible. Is that on the docket? At all?
1: We go back and forth. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think it's an architect's dream. Yeah. So obviously my father-in-law to build ground up because you can do whatever you want. And then my wife, Dom, it's, a, uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's all of our dreams, but what has been interesting is what we've realized is we're really good at solving problems yeah. to where there's very few people who have that eye yeah. and that's not like a brag. It's just for some reason we can walk into a house and we can move a kitchen, we can move bathrooms, we can add bathrooms and it's not hard for us Yeah. to where it's, we've, we, we look at ourselves like custom builders. I would say when we're flipping a house, it's sure. we got to match that product. And I, I get scared with shiny object syndrome because of course I want to build. And it's like the margins with building are crazy. Like I, I have uh, one of our business partners, she just bought a lot for 1.3 million She's going to build ground up yeah. for probably two and a half to 3 million and very well could sell it for 9 million. So we're talking margins, but I'm like, number one, I don't have that pocketbook yet. Yeah, Number two, stay in your lane. It's like yeah. some of the best advice I've ever gotten.
0: Yeah. And I think that's that's something that you're really good at. And in understanding that what you guys have, it's like any builder can build high end from the ground up. But you're right. You guys have a unique ability to to walk into a home that's priced at 900000 and be like, the layout sucks, we can make this look way better. Totally. And double what it's worth. That's yeah, and, and I
1: think all the markets compare, and I, I even think like in Idaho, in Salt Lake, and then Beverly Hills, there's similarities with everything. And I think what's really interesting, what we realized in LA, and this is just kind of where it's like, Hey, swallow your pride and just think about things. In LA, you have spec homes that sell for 40, 50, 60 million. There's been one that sold for 100 million, kind of thing. Yeah. There's been a couple dozen sell for over 100 million that are original houses that have been updated. Yeah. So there's a massive need, and you can't necessarily put pen to paper on it. Yeah. But for us, it's like, let's not go do the modern spec build. Yeah. Let's go. What do people in Salt Lake want? And I think we found it.
0: Yeah. They they want the area that you're in. Yep. That's, you know, that zip code. You guys talk a lot about that and it, and it doesn't work in every market. Obviously, like I can't focus on one zip code in my market because there's not enough totally. volume in that zip code. Um, but your guys' ability to like zone in on understanding that location is key. Yes. Like people buy location. And then if you can give them what they want inside of that location – where they have the mature neighborhood mature landscaping and you're giving them the Pinterest worthy house that they want. It's like that, that in itself, there's, there's something really special about that. Ground up builders can't go build. I mean, they could, but they're knocking down a house and, you know, ground up stuff. Um, and that's hard margins there. They're building on new lots and new areas. Um, and then you got to wait for that area to appreciate, you know what I mean? It's like, that's a new area. There's no landscaping there. Um, I, I think what you guys are doing really cool. And I, I, uh, I want to do something, you know, eventually I'm going to get you to do something in Scottsdale with me. Right? I think we're going to do it together. <laughs> I think Scottsdale would be uh I think there's a big opportunity there as well. Cuz yeah. cuz people are flipping homes there but they're very standard. Oh
1: my know. goodness. You you probably looked when you were there yeah. for the Super Bowl. Yeah, my wife and I we we went and looked at a couple of houses we've been on Zillow yeah. every day since. It's like This sounds like a brag but I'm like, this city needs us. The city needs <laughs> designers. Kind of like this city needs some help. It does. Kind of I look at some of
0: the stuff there and even the newer homes, like we're looking at stuff that's been flipped. You know, it's at one, one, two, um, the quality, yeah. <laughs> the quality is just not there. And I'm like, I struggle with that in, in breeze gung ho. She wants a house. They're so bad. Yeah.
1: Um, I almost, it's funny. I almost put it. I filmed a whole 60 second video on Instagram, just blasting Arizona. You didn't post it. Well, yeah, because I was like, is it really that smart for me to tell basically everyone on Instagram how ugly their house is in Arizona? I was like, I probably shouldn't do that.
0: I I think it is. I I think you should post it because I think it is good because I think there's a lot of people that have that same mentality. Yeah. But nobody's changing it because they don't have to. I mean, they're making a ton of money on just doing the crap. I think if somebody goes in and disrupts that and shows what quality is. Yeah people are going to struggle even more to pay the prices that they're paying for what they're getting.
1: Totally. You know, imagine
0: somebody walking through your flip here for two and a half million and then walking through a flip over there. That's two and a half million. Like, okay, this isn't even close. Yeah. And, and they're comparable markets. I feel like totally you guys have appreciated up to that point. Um, But I feel like Phoenix is kind of like on the cusp of being a a Beverly Hills in certain areas because you're seeing a lot of like $10 million plus homes getting built and and bought. Um, so I think it's a great area for appreciation, but
1: yeah, I think, and I, I think just a little tip I'll give is what we are struggling with in Arizona is inventory levels. And so without going into too much detail, like we super focus on, and this is a lesson I just learned six months ago. And so yeah. I, I, I didn't know this years ago, but I, when doing flips now, because the market turned a much more cautious. So I, I go back all the way to 08 and i look at inventory levels yep. and we're only buying houses to where that neighborhood always has historically low inventory. Got it. And so we, we bought a house in an area that had extremely low inventory during the pandemic, but I failed to look at pre-pandemic, post-pandemic inventory levels. Yep. It wasn't a low inventory level, and we struggled. So, relaying that to Arizona, it's we're just going in a circle. Like, yeah. where's the where's the Beverly Hills or where's like the Sugar House to where it's like it's that buyer. It's tucked. Pe- people want
0: that, you know, no matter what kind of market it's in. Yes, because you look at like Beverly Hills, and I think the stat is it's appreciated eight percent or ten percent a year over the last fifty years yeah forever yeah so it's like people people lose money on purchasing property there like rentals they'll lose money cash flow wise because they're just banking on appreciation yes um and i think you're kind of dealing with some of that here in salt lake your market's getting kind of kind of crazy um it's
1: a a terrible we're not a cash flow market and so that's been interesting trying to figure out and
0: that we're we're still we're not we, we guys are so we're so far behind you guys um but I would love to, I want to talk to you about the market, get your perspective. Obviously, yeah. doing uh, 800 or something transactions as a team, you guys see a lot of transactions. You guys are in the market, you're a big presence in the market. Um, what's your take on the market? We've had conversations about this before, and you've kind of gone, we've both gone back and forth. Um, where do you think this year is going to end up? What do you think is going to happen this year?
1: I don't know. I, I thought I was a wizard 10 days ago. Yeah. <laughs> I basically, I was really the, what I care about, I care about interest rates, but yeah. the number I really care about is inventory levels. And so we're dropping inventory steady. A week ago, if you would ask me this question, two weeks ago, I would have said, we're, we're looking for a really hot 2023. I can tell you from the Perry group, which I think we have a cheat code on what's happening with the market. We're transacting at a high level. Yeah but it's interest rates just went up. So I have no idea. I think you're going to see some, you just have to be really careful as a buyer. I don't think we're going to be a bad market. Yeah. But if you get caught in that lapse of like, Hey, I'm buying at a high price and 7% interest rate. I think you're in trouble.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the only thing we've started to see it even, even locally. And I'm sure you guys have seen it. Like people that are bought, Uh, now we're probably saying like a year ago, you know, kind of at peak levels um, that maybe they're selling and they're getting out like just to break even kind of thing, you know, some people where it's close, you might owe a little bit after commissions and everything. Um, I think there's that little gap where you're not going to do okay. The majority of Americans still have a ton of equity in their homes. Yes. Um, And so I think there's a gap of people that have bought in the last year or so that, that are kind of more nervous. Um, I think like rates, rates if they continue to go up obviously going to put a little bit more downward pressure on the market.
1: Yeah.
0: Um I think you're absolutely right though cuz the kicker is inventory. Yeah. Like that that is our saving grace. Totally. Our market if we had proper inventory levels our market would be crushed.
1: Oh, I Oh, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: so it's like it's the dynamic of inventory that people are there is always going to be amount of people that are transacting regardless yeah. of the market. Um so if inventories are low enough that those people transact and there's not a surplus of choices for them then the market will stay stable. And I think the counterpart is like, I don't see any kind of massive appreciation that's yeah. going to happen. Um, so if you're a seller, like your post the other day, like if you're a seller, I, I'd look to get out if you want to get out in the next few years. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're going to miss out on any appreciation coming up because if the Fed sees appreciation, what are they going to do? They're just going to
1: yeah. crank Stop up. That's it. the
0: last thing they want.
1: What's that guy's name? Uh, It's killing my real estate vibe. Yeah,
0: now I'm not going to think it- of his name.
1: Powell. Powell. Yeah. Uncle Powell. (laughs) Uncle Powell. But yeah, I mean, it, it goes to what you said. It's, I think it's a really weird dynamic because it's the first time I think we've ever seen in history to where you said people will always be transacting. So people have to transact. But I think the part in addition to that and where you said saving grace is we've never seen ever to where people don't have to transact. Yeah. And if you have a high 2% or a low 3%, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people in the, like a lot of economists think those people might not ever transact on that interest rate yeah. again. Yeah. And so that's a really weird, like, I'm like, thank God for that because yeah. we would, I think we'd be 08 yeah. if that didn't happen. But I, I'm helping a friend. He's there uh him and his fiance they're both in commercial real estate it's they're they're transacting so they're buying a new super pretty house but they have a 2.8 on their town home that town home will never be sold i don't care how much equity it has yeah
0: you know because the cash flow like you'll never yeah. you can never and that's the thing is if people have to sell and even if you did buy at the peak but you have a good interest rate it's educating them on, okay, let's let's figure out how to hold this. Yes. Do you understand that if we can get a signed lease, we can use that as your income. We'll offset that whole thing to your DTI and we can get you approved for another house. Yeah. Like understanding that, that you don't have to sell. Yeah. Um, because never in history are you going to buy a rental property for a two and a half rate. Like, no. That will never happen.
1: And it's funny how I think we all downplayed interest rate too. Yeah. Because my wife and I, we looked in Arizona and- I think I always kept in the back of my head, I'd rather transact in a market where I can get a steal at a higher interest rate. And I look back and I'm like, no, not really. Yeah. Especially on a second home. Like I would have rather just had that low payment, be down a hundred thousand in equity on certain houses that we're not transacting anytime soon. But I look at monthly payments. It's like, you got, you got to feel bad for people. Yeah. It's pricey right now.
0: Oh, it's so bad. I look at, I've got buddies that bought, you know, a ton of doors, ton of rental properties in the last two, three years. Um, And one could look at it like, oh, they bought it like high prices and they're down equity wise. It's like, they have no plan of selling those. They made off like bandits. Yes. If you got like a 20 unit complex at a 3% interest rate, like why would you ever sell that? You know, you're going to hold it for 10 years and it's going to appreciate over time. We know that. And so it's... Looking back, I'm like, man, I really missed the boat. I should have bought everything I could at three and a half interest rates. Totally, because the deals
1: were still there. I mean, especially for someone like you and me, it's you come across deals that not everybody sees. But I don't. I get so bipolar with the market to where I'm finally like, okay, I'm gonna stop being bipolar. The market is what it is. Just. Whether we're in a super high interest rate or the world's falling low interest rate, I'm just going to buy a house solely based off the deal.
0: Yeah. Based off the deal and based off your circumstances. Totally. Like I plan to be here for, if you plan to be here for five, 10 years, it really, what the current market is Are you talking
1: about Idaho or what? (laughs) 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 Don't answer that. (laughs) What? Um,
0: I want to get, do you have any rental properties? That's something I've never asked you.
1: Yeah, we have two and I hate them.
0: Okay. Why? Not your game. You want to play?
1: No, not the game I want to play. And I think I have uh, friends who try and make me have shiny silver object uh, object syndrome. But it's there's not a ton of people who can go make what we're making on flips. Yeah. And so when I hear, I mean, this is terrible advice for (laughs) most people, but I'm just giving you a candid answer. Yeah. When I can flip a house, buy it seven hundred, flip it for one three one five. Or I can buy a $500,000 house and make three hundred a month. I'm going to go sell more houses. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not. So.
0: I get that. No, it's, and that's, I think it's a good, it's, it's a good, once you have enough money, it's a good place to just park it um, yeah. for you to do, especially if you're hands off, like yeah. for you, It is something that you should not be dealing with. You should not be managing any rental properties or even having that headache, but it could be a resource that you just, you know, write a check for every once in a while and buy another property, you know, in 10 years, 20 years, you'll have a ton and it won't even matter. But, um, what's, what do you like over this growth that you've seen over the last five, six years in the real estate industry, you know, from building a team, uh, flipping houses, doing all the things that you're doing, uh, what are the main lessons that you've kind of learned?
1: That's a really good question. I think the best lesson I've learned in the advice I'll give is nothing replaces hard work. And I think there's also, you talk to some super successful people, it's never as easy as it looks. And I think when you're building something, you see the big groups or the capital companies or the tech companies, it's like, wow, they, that was easy. And they made so much money and they love life. And you talk to those people. It's like, I enjoy life, but it's not what it looks like. Yeah, And so I think just sticking through that process. And then I think the other lesson, you just get rewarded for being a good person. I think you just, business will come back tenfold. If you can help people, it will come back and just stay patient. I mean, it's, you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, I want to move to Arizona and never do anything real <laughs> estate again. And today. I'm pretty happy. So. Yeah.
0: I, I, I go back and forth on that stuff. And, um, I, th- I think what you said about, um, like you gotta just be patient. Some of yeah. the people are, uh, they want what you have today. Like, ah, I just want to build a team like Michael this year. Totally. It's like, it's going to take you five and a half years, six years, probably more. Cause Michael built it really fast.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like, and like, don't be ignorant. We got lucky. Yeah. If the market turned on us. Yeah. I don't think we'd be bankrupt. We'd figure it out, but it's exactly like you said, like our scenarios got lucky, but we were super patient.
0: Yeah. Think, think in a decade. Like that's, that's kind of the new, the, the motto I've been thinking about is like the decisions I make and the thing that I'm doing, I'm, I'm, Hoping they pay off in a decade. Yeah, you know, and a decade's gonna go by quick. Totally. I'm like, I've already been it's in real estate scary. five years too. And I'm like, well, we're already halfway to a decade. Okay, this is yeah. going faster than I thought. Um, I, I super appreciate you kind of sharing, you know, what you've learned. Is there any any last bits you guys you want to share with the audience? Kind of um, words of encouragement or advice? Anybody that's looking to get into real estate or even looking to build their team, um, is there anything that you would have done differently?
1: Yes, there are a ton of things I would do differently. I think the biggest piece of advice, let's just to my younger self, biggest piece of advice I would give to me is really care about people, but protect your emotion yeah. and protect what's happening in your life. Because Ex- I think, Explain that a little bit. I, I think just from a human perspective, because I, I think... I went through a lot of turmoil trying to please people. And then I think just a habit of being a people pleaser, you end up not screwing a lot of people, but I think by not giving them, Hey, honest truth, this is what's happening. uh, Number one, you lose them. Number two, it will torture you. So I think just being loving people, but being crystal clear on the mission and what you're building is what will pay off in the end. And I think your life will be easier for that. Interesting.
0: I love that. I think I needed that more than anything. I love you. (laughs) Um, So cool. Well, I appreciate you sharing with us, Michael. I know you know, we're probably gonna have to get back here for another episode because there's so many things that I do want to dive into you. But I wanted to get your broad story first to share with the listeners because I think there's a lot of people out here that could benefit from your story and what you've built. Um, And how old are you?
1: 26 26 this guys a savage um my 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 contractor one of my contractors is 21 and that was weird for me really yeah because it's you you've always it. been a, yeah Yeah, I've, i have mean we've always been the young guy or young team yeah and i meet a 21 year old who's doing work on my house i'm like <laughs> i'm old yeah like
0: oh the, the roles have flipped yeah did yeah, i get it because i got into real estate when i was 22 um yeah, twenty one or twenty two. I got licensed when I was twenty-one. Um, and I felt young and I still feel that sometimes oh, yeah. and I'm like, oh wait, I am twenty yeah, six. I'm getting kinda older. I'm getting closer to thirty.
1: Isn't it weird though? Ranger. And I, I know we're dragging this on, but there's no, sometimes good. I feel I like I'll walk into a room where I'm like, I'm young. Yeah. And then I'll I'll just go through daily life and it's like i feel i'm 45 right now 100 if you call it a day i'm good yeah <laughs>
0: like, you get home after a long day at eight and you're like i could go to sleep right now yeah yeah i know i feel that and i can i i want to thank you it was super refreshing when you posted that video the other day before you had you left to the super bowl um with all the crap in your car yeah and that you're driving around um it just
1: helped me realize that you are human yeah uh life's not glamorous <laughs> It's not.
0: I was like, man, I'm done flipping houses. I'm done running to Home Depot. Michael Perry doesn't deal with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Perry does deal with that stuff. Yeah.
1: Huh? I, uh, that, this is actually really cool. I, I've never told this. So that big flip we just did where yeah. we made a ton of money on it, I was there at 6 a.m. five days a week, well, checking in on
0: it. What were the numbers on that? What'd you buy it for?
1: We bought it at nine. We, Put 450 in and then we sold it, it to four, four. It's
0: incredible. Yeah. You were there
1: every day. Every day. And that, that was, I would not do it again. Yeah. And so that, that's, that was a hellish experience for me. Uh, our relationship to where it's like, you, you see when things go wrong. Yeah. Cause it, if that didn't go wrong, like you see where things go bad. And so we got out, would never do that again but what's so hard about that is that taught me everything so i will do it again yeah. and i'll do it better yeah. so i don't have advice or regrets <laughs> but it's life's not easy No, and a lot of people are
0: going to look at that they're going to they're going to look at the numbers and say wow that's crazy like i want to do that but straight from straight from the source it's like he's like i would never i wouldn't want anybody to do that because of the amount of stress it put yeah. on you your relationship there's so many people that are like i want to build a team but they don't understand yeah. What you know? What kind of stress does that put on you as a person? What kind of stress does that put on your relationship? What is your life totally. work-life balance going to look like? It's like it, talk to people. Like yes. come talk, talk to, to Michael. People. Talk to me yeah. if you're thinking about doing these things because it's like we're going to be honest with you and mm-hmm. understand not to scare you away of doing them, but to be honest because I wish somebody would have told me like, hey, running a team is going to be like this, yeah. and, and then I would have been able to put a little bit more thought into it. Like is that what I want to do? Um, I think I'd still do it. But you learn a lot of lessons. Um, yeah, and, and
1: like it. you said, I mean, you probably—I was a different person for a year. Yeah, I was—I wasn't saying I was cold, but I was almost like emotionless. I was like, look, I, I don't have time. Yeah, or the capacity. Like, I am so stressed, I can't do it with anything else. And now it's like, I'm happy. Yeah. So it's
0: all on fire, but I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no, I love that. Cool. Well that is a wrap we're gonna break off here me and michael are gonna go talk business um but thanks for tuning in to another episode of the pursuit of wealth podcast if you guys want to have michael back on the podcast and dive a little bit deeper into any of his avenues of business leave a comment and we'll get him out there next time he's comment com- so i feel good yeah comment make sure you like his hair his hair is phenomenal <laughs> uh, next time we're getting him out to idaho we'll wait for weather and get you out there. thank you so appreciate, appreciate it buddy. You, man. okay don't listen to people who lose or you'll do the same Stop talking to people who don't give a f- what you're saying. Stop spending your money on weed, go hop on a plane. Stop pointing the finger and start taking some of the blame. Let me put you on game. Control your emotions, most of the time it's really not worth it. Don't be ashamed and beat yourself up for not being perfect.